Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So a couple of things I mentioned last hour that this is uh, this is not a normal caucus. It's not a normal primary for a couple of reasons. I call them the three eyes. Let's say the three eyes. Not like not like a third eye eyeball eyes. Incumbency, indictments and insurrection. OK, so you have these three eyes. Which makes this not a normal primary. So things that used to be kind of true, and I mentioned uh, last uh, hour about how, you know, the, the candidates who are non-incumbents that win the Iowa GOP primary, they tend not to win the nomination. I don't think that holds true. I don't think that that's going to have any impact here uh, or is any kind of a predictor for Donald Trump. Because why? Incumbency. He is kind of the incumbent, Right. And, and when incumbents run in the caucuses in Iowa, like he did last time around, he got like 63 or 70 percent of it, whatever. Or I don't even remember what the number was. It was. He got like almost all of it, right? Because he was the incumbent. So it, it, it makes sense. Incumbents do well. They have very few challengers. And those who do challenge are usually like some weird people, you know. Um, if you go back through, back to 1976, the modern era of the... Iowa Caucus. the only Iowa winners to actually become the nominee were Gerald Ford in 1976, Bob Dole in 1996, and then four years later, George W. Bush. All of the other winners in the Iowa caucus lost the nominations. That would be George H.W. Bush in 1980. Reagan became the nominee. Bob Dole in 88. Bush became the nominee. Huckabee in 08. McCain became the nominee. Rick Santorum. Mitt Romney became the nominee. And Ted Cruz in 2016. Donald Trump became the nominee. Right. But again, I don't think that this that this has a lot of value in, in predicting the nomination because Donald Trump is kind of an incumbent. I, w- I, I would call him an incumbent, though technically not so. Um, He has run eight races in Iowa. People know who he is. He's a former president, right? So he carries with that all of the the benefits, but also the baggage of incumbency. Number two, indictments. Second I is indictments. Donald Trump's poll numbers started going up. There was a gap of about 15% or so between him and DeSantis uh, last March, I want to say. Hang on. I've got the, uh, let me see where it is here. I just saw, here it is. I just uh, just retweeted it. You can follow this stuff. I do this during the show. I talk about stuff and I push it out on Twitter. Um, so this would have been, yeah, right around April, late March, early April. Indictments come down. Trump's polling goes from the low 40s, skyrockets over 50 percent, and then keeps tracking up with every subsequent indictment. So now he's over 60 percent. Meanwhile, DeSantis's line goes down. Um, and then there's this last little burst at the end, the... Uh, the Nikki Haley, inf- you know, the cash infusion that she got uh, at the end there after, I guess, maybe one of the debates or something. But point is, the indictments 
have had an impact, a rally around the victim impact. And you may not like to hear this, but there are a lot of Trump supporters that have a bit of a victimhood mindset. Okay, they do. Like this mindset infects everybody. It is most prevalent on the left, but it is also uh, obvious on the right. So once once you feel like you're being attacked and your your guy is now they're trying to lock him up, right? They're going to throw him in jail. There's a rallying effect that occurs and you see it in the polls. It's clear. And finally, insurrection, right? This is the playbook that Democrats are running, which is the democracy, right? That he is a unique threat. And so what, here you go. You want to, don't take my word for it. Like I read these people so you don't have to. Rick Wilson. Rick Wilson is a uh, former Republican strategist who then, when Trump in like 2015, 2016, when Trump rose, um, he jumped ship. He started the Lincoln Project which is comprised of uh, these former Republicans, if they ever really were. And by the way, let me take an aside. Before I get to this, let me, let me do a quick aside. I said this back in the early 2000s when the Republicans were ascendant and, and George W. Bush was president. There were a lot of people that glommed on to the Republican Party because they were the ones with the power. Happens all the time, right? A party gets into power and people who don't adhere to those principles, join in because that's where the power is. And they may adopt some of the language and stuff, but they're not really true believers. They're there for the power, right? So you have this on the Republican side too, obviously. Rick Wilson jumped ship, and now he's he's spent the last, what, eight years bashing Donald Trump, but also other Republicans as well. And he has found a very lucrative gig in doing this, being the former Republican that's all in for Joe Biden. He's, here's what he says. It's time we accept it. This election will be a binary choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. This is what he said last night or t- retweeted last night. It's time to stop pretending it isn't and to start working to rebuild the coalition that defeated Trump in 2020. There is too much at stake not to. Right? This is the whole argument. This is the whole playbook. Rachel Maddow last night said Trump is running against politics. He's running against politicians. He's running against policy. He's running against the whole idea of a functioning Congress. He's seeking to be a strongman leader. And that's what his biggest fans like about him. These are all the same arguments. And they may not move you. They may not move me. They don't move me. They, all, they, they don't move Trump supporters. But they do move moderates. And they move, obviously, Democrats. They turn out for that argument. You may not believe it, but Democrats do. Democrat strategists do. The donors do. The institution, uh, institution uh, of government and the bureaucracies, the, uh, uh, the intelligence agencies, the people that populate these agencies, the, Demo- the leftists have colonized our institutions, you might say. Right? And so they believe this playbook works. You may not. I may not. But they do. And they look at 2020 as the proof. So I ask, if I'm them, why am I trying to push Trump through? You also have to keep in mind that there are a lot of people in media, right and left, that Trump is good for business for them. Trump sells. Now, I don't know if they're going to do the same thing they did in 2016, but 
Maybe they've discovered that anti-Trump sells just as well. I don't know. But there are a lot of people uh, that draw a direct paycheck telling you what you want to hear. So you always got to keep these motives, you know, in, in the back of your mind. Let me go over here and get Jim on. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. Uh, in terms of uh, the Republicans and the Democrats, they both have kind of similar problems. Joe Biden uh, can destroy his campaign any day by not being able to follow the script, and Donald Trump can destroy his campaign by basically just alienating someone or some group any day. But to me, I think Trump could win, and I think the Republicans could win if they had the proper messaging. Uh, six weeks ago or so, I heard where the projection of what the cost to keep the current migrant population has come over was around $460 billion in the next year. Mm -hmm. Studies have apparently said that all the projections that were put out by the governing party as to the contributions of these illegals were all grossly exaggerated. To me, the one thing that resonates with the American people, I do believe this, whether you're Democrat even the left, you've got to have money and money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. To me, I would focus every day on what the cost that Biden has brought to this country that is going to cost you and your family. Even even the black people in California that were gyrating for reparations, tell them, hey, you're suckers. Your piece of the pie that you hope to get, these people coming over are getting now. That's the same thing across all groups, your pie, the pie that you wanted to have, hoped your children would have, your grandchildren would enjoy, is all going away to keep this voting block up. But I talked talk to your screener. I, I was at a coffee shop not long ago, and I, I talked to a couple of Hispanics, and they admitted to me that they had come across the board. And they were using these translator phones, and we were talking. It was quite obvious that they weren't real happy with their lot over here. They expected more. They expected to be given more. You know, you talk about the Democrats alienating, trying to divide everybody into groups. Well, I think the Republicans should focus on their groups and just explain how much it's really going to cost you if you elect Joe Biden again. So, uh, all right, so yours... So you're saying it's a matter of messaging, okay, and to hammer away on this message... Um, I think, I think so do the you monetary think, part, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, all right, so let me ask you, do you think that Donald Trump is the guy to be disciplined in his messaging? I think if he really wanted to win and they got around him, they probably could. But uh, I think that's the one message he could focus on, mm-hmm. and he's a businessman. And uh, I think it's, I think it is the best, other than for, other than for probably crime, uh, and all the money has been thrown away on the Green New Deal. But people realize and people are starting to recognize now that some of the media is broken down and focusing on this tidal wave coming in that uh, that I think they're becoming alarmed. I think that's... that. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. I, I agree, the, and I appreciate the call, Jim. I, I do agree that pe- more and more people are now aware of it, and I, I would submit they're aware of it not just because of the massive influx of the... Uh, immigration 
uh, but also because of the actions of Governor Abbott and DeSantis in sending migrants to other cities, to these sanctuary cities and states. As it's, I think that was the best move because it forced these, uh, these leftist enclaves to have to deal with the problems themselves. Right, the whole point of the primary process is to test the candidates to make the arguments about which one would be better to represent the GOP electorate, right? Which one would have a better shot at getting through? So all of the the, the strategy and that sort of stuff, I like I, I get all of that. Um, I mean, not, not that I know all of the different machinations or anything or all the tactics and strategies, but I know that that's part of it. But the other part of it is more of a at a philosophical level, right? We. We, we talk to people during their, the, the voting process. You go through the different states. You find out what motivates different people to vote in the ways that they're voting. For example, one of the um, data points out of Iowa, 30% of the people that voted, and I think I said earlier it was 130,000 votes. It actually was turned out to be 110,000. And that, I mean, 110,000, that's, it's like the city of Asheville. It's like Rock Hill, you know? Well, Rock Hill's a little bit smaller. I think they're a little bit under 100K. But it's roughly the size of Rock Hill. I don't think that should be determining who drops out and who doesn't and all of that. Um, And again, caveat, like I said in the last hour, there's obviously donors involved. And you've got to be able to sustain the momentum of a long-term campaign if you're not going to drop out immediately. Um. And it's a grind. It's a lot of work, no doubt about it. But one of the data points in, uh, in the polling out of Iowa was that 30% of the, uh, the caucus goers, we need to come up with a different name for that too. It came up with a different name for top vote getter, votainer. It's a superior word. We should come up with a, with a term for the, the caucus goers. The caucus Caucusers, caucusites, caucusoans, caucusines. Anyway, 30% of the caucus goers say that a felony conviction would be disqualifying. 30% of all of the caucus goers. So I assume, like, none of the Trump supporters, but maybe just a few. So that's probably a lot of the Haley camp, which was like 19%, and a good chunk of the DeSantis camp. Okay, so if a third of all the people, though, in the Republican base are saying that's disqualifying, a, con- a felony conviction would be disqualifying, that makes it harder in a general, right? Now you've got to try to find votes from non-Republican voters. You've got to try to make that up someplace. Where do you make that up? Who are you making that up? Right, that's, that's a fair question to ask. Also, I suspect that not all that 30% would actually not vote for Trump. I suspect that they say they wouldn't to the pollster, but then when they actually go in to vote, if he's the candidate running against Biden, they're totally going to vote for Donald Trump. You know, I suspect that might be the case. So these are the questions that we test. And if you do so in a rational manner, I think we're all better off for it. I'm not attacking people. Um, I do have a lot of emails. I will get to them in a moment. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. 
at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out i did not plan any of this but we need a new word instead of caucus goers so chris has offered two submissions his first submission is cockatiers i like it cockatiers and if you get like three of them you can call them the three cockatiers it just makes sense um his second Submission is caucasites. Caucasites. And then, hang on, I got another one on Twitter from J.H. Rock. Caucasians. <laughs> Caucasians. 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 I don't know. That might be a little, people might feel, uh, not included. They may feel that's not an inclusive enough term. Like they're being prohibited from caucusing because they're not a caucasian. <laughs> or maybe it's supposed to be caucasian. I don't know. All right. This is from Alan. It's a Pete tweet. Oh, sorry. Hang on. I got one more. This is from Mark. Coquettes. I like that one too. I like it. Coquettes. We're going to have to do some sort of a vote on this. Maybe, maybe we'll do a caucus. Um, Alan says, Pete, oh, he's responding to, Alan's responding to an earlier caller. I think his name was David, uh, who said he had Trump fatigue. And Alan says, how cute Trump fatigue. You can mitigate Trump fatigue by ignoring leftist media, hyperventilating over every syllable Trump utters. I can't do that with inflation fatigue, job loss fatigue, authoritarian fatigue, or World War III fatigue. Okay. So here again, Alan, um, I would advise not to dismiss this attitude because it exists in a not insignificant amount of people. It's exhausting. Donald Trump is exhausting, not just for people on the left, but for people on the right as well. I, I suffered this exact same thing during the four years of his presidency. Because every single day, as you mentioned, you've got... Leftist media hyperventilating over every syllable, which then requires me to go and listen to every syllable to then try to interpret the word salad, right, to find out, oh, the media was misrepresenting what he said. Oh, they did take him out of context. And then I have to go through and explain this is the entire context. And in the grand scheme of things, what does it end up with? Joe Biden running for president because he heard the good people on both sides in Charlottesville, right? I mean, that's his cover story. I don't know if that's actually what prompted him to run. But the fatigue factor is a real thing. I don't know. I don't think it's critical mass, obviously, but it's not insignificant. That being said, I agree. Inflation fatigue, job loss fatigue, authoritarian fatigue, World War III fatigue, all of that other fatigue exists. Absolutely. But you're framing this in a binary choice. And this is the time right now during a primary when if you would like to avoid those fatigues 
but also say, you know what, Trump fatigue people, I hear you on that. How about we get a guy that checks the boxes for both of us? And I know that sounds like a campaign pitch for DeSantis, but I guess it kind of is. I'm not trying to be a surrogate for the guy. I just see him as espousing the same ideas, but he's actually an implementer. He does the stuff. I was just talking to Bernie off air about this. This is psychology. Dr. Jordan Peterson has talked about this for decades as a clinical psychiatrist. You have the chaotic mind and the ordered mind, and you need both of them. You need both of those things operating in your brain. And some people are more chaotic and some people are more orderly. And he would advise people if you're too orderly to get a dog because that introduces some good chaos into your life, you know. Entrepreneurs, a little bit on the chaos side. They will an idea into being, but you don't want them to manage the whole thing forever because they're, they're having ideas about other stuff to do. And so you want to have an implementer. You want to have somebody that has a more ordered mind and can go through and say, all right, this is how we do these ideas. I view DeSantis as more of a implementer versus a ideas guy. And I see Trump as one more on the chaos side than the orderly side. That's just my take. Um, I did have another message here. Hang on. It was from, it was in the email. <laughs> Jump over to my email. Uh, this is from Dillard. If you haven't noticed, a lot of prominent Republicans have said what a danger to national security Trump is. He's clearly unfit for office. You'd like people to think Democrats and leftists are the only ones calling out Trump. I, I don't know if I'm the I don't know if I've ever said that, but um, this is easily disproved. You might balance your show by mentioning this. Trump is nothing but a disgusting traitor. What do you think the never Trump contingent of the Republican electorate means? Right. That's these are the Nikki Haley voters. These were the Chris Christie voters. I don't understand. Okay. I guess you just want me to hammer Trump more. Okay, I got it. We'll go over here and get Ed on the program. Hello, Ed. Welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah, I, I watched it last night and um, and got the results. And, and uh, I, I think the best thing for the citizens of the United States is Donald Trump with someone like DeSantis, but I'm not sure him because I think that he wants to lower the uh, Social Security. That's what I heard anyway. It could be wrong. And Medicare to seniors. And um, I think Haley had the same effect. I think they lost a lot of support because of that. And the main thing I want out of Donald Trump it's just what he's already done and knows how to do internationally. And he's been a success in everything he did. And uh, everyone was prospering. More people were being hired. And, and the United States was in good shape compared to other countries, for sure. So uh, why not bring him back? Because we know it works. And the people support him. You can tell by the, all uh, what happened yesterday. The people support him. And we're the, the politicians are supposed to work, work for us and protect us. And Joe Biden did just the opposite. 
He's ruined everything, and especially the border. Now we we have, in our country, we have terrorists living in different communities, and it's been proven by the FBI with some of the people they arrested were definitely terrorists. Do you think, Ed, do you think that the people that are in these institutions will treat Donald Trump differently than they did treat him in the last go-round? Like the FBI... CIA, the intelligence agencies, the bureaucracy, the deep state, quote unquote. Do you think that do you think that these people treat Trump differently? Uh, the, the people, what, what, what do you mean, the people like the FBI? Yeah, the people inside these institutions. Do you think they would treat oh. Trump differently the next go around? They would. I think they would treat Trump, uh, maybe try some things, but he's not going to let them get away with it. Mm, okay. I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, Ed, I do appreciate the call on the on the point about putting DeSantis on the ticket. There is a precedent for this, you know. Reagan put George H. W. Bush on the ticket with him as vice president, and that was seen as a sign of unity. And I suspect that if Trump does this with Haley, that's going to be the way they frame it. And then, of course, what happens if Donald Trump gets indicted and can't serve his term? Well, then. Guess who waltzes into the White House? Guess who's president now? The one that couldn't get even two-thirds of the support of the Republican Party. This is why I I try to game theory this stuff out. I try to think in terms of, like, why would this be floating around right now? Who's to gain? What's the incentive structure? Um, Tom Elliott at Grabian, founder of Grabian Media, he says 24 is already playing out exactly like Democrats in the deep state war gamed it. First, lure as many people into the January 6th protest as possible, incite them to ransack the Capitol, pronounce it as an insurrection, and then start the process of impeaching, investigating, prosecuting Trump, tying him up with cases from New York to Georgia with Washington in between while waging war on MAGA. Seeing the former president being turned into a martyr, Republican voters are responding exactly as Democrats anticipated, rallying around Trump, the guy Democrats know Biden has the best chance to beat. Unfortunately, both sides aren't thinking far enough ahead. For Republicans, a second Trump term will be even more erratic than the first, as he will assuredly repeat the same mistakes as before and try buying popularity through an expansion of government, just as he has already said he wants to do with entitlements ethanol, even flooding the FBI with more tax money and a shiny new headquarters, all of which will push our already unstable economy even further off the cliff cliff into a deep recession, which, by the way, I think the total was like $39 trillion um, the debt went to under Trump. Democrats, on the other hand, have underestimated Biden's severe unpopularity. Every day, more Americans are resolved to send Biden packing, even if that means Trump 2.0. Once Trump turns the tables and starts focusing his second term on prosecuting the Bidens, progressives will become so unglued, California may start talking about secession. (laughs) Well, they already did the last time. Had Democrats in the deep state never launched their dirty tricks campaign against Trump, he may not even be running right now, let alone leading. DeSantis would surely have just locked up his first state and Republicans would be on their way to a 2024 landslide. I have made clear my belief that Trump is the least capable of pushing through the kind of major systemic reforms that the deep state campaign against him shows are so important. Schumer, Pfizer, the CIA, 
They all know that if Trump wins another term, they'll be able to manipulate him just as easily as before. As anybody who's been watching his recent speeches is already aware, he's a shadow of his 2016 self, too weak and unfocused to overcome what's coming. My hope is Republicans stop thinking with their emotions and start acting strategically, because ultimately the best thing that could be done for Trump is nominating somebody like DeSantis so he can take a wrecking ball to the federal bureaucracy. Again, that's Tom Elliott at Grabian Media. Hardly a lefty. This guy was a MAGA guy through and through. This is about strategy. Strategy. 